hand real high right over here, right over here. Anybody else raise your hand real high. We'll make sure you get one. Everybody else turn to uh, Proverbs chapter number one. Proverbs chapter number one. We'll get started real quick. Got a lot to cover tonight. How many of you glad to be saved? Amen. How many of you glad the devil can't do a blessed thing about it? Amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter number one. How many of you, how many of you have ever heard this advice? Maybe, maybe you've even given this advice. Who knows? Uh, uh, but you ever heard this advice? What you need to do is just get in church. How many of y'all have heard that before? How many of y'all have given that advice before? How many of y'all have seen people that's got in church and it didn't work? We're going to find out why. We're going to find out why. You got to understand something. There's nothing magical about this building. Some people think that, that if you come into the, the, the atmosphere, you know, uh, and, and you come within these walls and there's just something different about here, uh, that, that God kind of stays here and we come to meet God here. Uh, that's not the case. You are the church. You are the body of Christ. God is in you and you bring him when you come. And just being in attendance is not going to change your life. Being in the proximity of a building when a church service is going on, it's not going to fix all of your problems. There's something that's got to take place, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Proverbs is so important that we get. It's, it's a book of wisdom. It's a book that will teach us how to make decisions, how to uh, uh, deal with areas of difficulty in our life, how to steer away from trouble. Say amen. amen. So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to jump right in. Proverbs chapter 1, and then we'll get started. All right. Are you excited? Yes. All right. This is what the Bible says in verse number 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. The, to give subtly to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Now read it with me. Everybody read verse 5 with me. A wise man will and, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Let's read that again. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for your blessings. I thank you for your guidance and your touch. Now, Lord, we desperately need you tonight. I have the word. I have an outline. I have, I believe, what you want me to deliver. But, God, I need the Holy Spirit's unction to, to bring it forth. God, I, the, the, the letter of the law killeth, but it is the Spirit that bringeth life. And, Father, I need your Holy Spirit to breathe upon these passages and upon these scriptures and bring them to life. Lord, illuminate our minds that we may understand and comprehend your infallible word tonight. And God will thank you, will praise you, and give you all the glory and all the praise for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. You may be seated. I'm glad to be here. If you're here for the very first time tonight for a Wednesday night, Maybe you've come on Sunday before, but this is your first Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, we don't mess around. Uh, uh, we don't do a whole lot of singing. Matter of fact, we don't do any singing. Say amen. amen. We get right to it. Uh, we, we use the time 
uh, to, to dig into the Word and study the Word. We don't waste any time. Uh, we use it all for Bible study. So let's, let's, let's do that today. Uh, let's jump right in. We, there's, there's a few uh, points that I want to share with you tonight that we'll talk about. And uh, the very first one, the first one that we see here, number one, I want you to see the workings of counsel. The workings of counsel. How does all this stuff work? I mean, how, how do we take what we receive here in this book and use it for our, our benefit and use it for a blessing? Uh, I can't tell you how many people I've, I've talked to. I've talked to husbands, and, 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 and they're having issues in the marriage. And, and I said, man, you really need to get some counsel. Oh, well, I've done that, and it didn't help us. Or I've gone and we've, we've gone to this council or we've gone to this meeting or, or, or we've gone and, and we've done this, but it didn't do anything for us. There might be a good reason for that. There might be a good reason for that. Uh, uh, showing up in the office with a counselor does not get the job done on its own. That is just the beginning. So let's look, let's look, number one, at the workings of counsel. How does this, how does this work? How does this, how does this go? Verse 5, a wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Two things, or actually three things I want you to write down. Uh, now, as we go through this book, as we go through this book, this is in the very first part, in the very first introductory chapter, uh, we have got to do this. If we don't do this, it's not going to do us any good. God is not checking off your attendance record in heaven because you showed up tonight. Do you understand? We are here to get help. We are here to get instruction. We are here for learning purposes. We are here to change. Say that with me. We are here to If we don't change, if we're, if we're not different when we leave, then we've wasted our time. We want to be better. We want to be stronger. We want to be more spiritually healthy. We want to be able to, to attack Satan. We want to be able to go tomorrow and face more than we were able to face today. We want to get stronger and stronger and stronger. But there's some things we've got to do. First, write this down. Write these things down. Three things that you need to understand about counsel and instruction and teaching. First, there's got to be some listening. First, there's got to be some listening. The Bible says in verse 5, a wise man will hear. A wise man will hear. Uh, how many of you husbands that are willing to admit in here, uh, and if you're a coward, that's fine, uh, but how many of you husbands would be willing to admit that there's been times you've been addressing your spouse or been talking to your spouse, and she's really been talking to you for about four or five minutes, and then she says, what did I just say? And, and, and you respond with this, I know what you just said. Don't you question me on what you just said. What's your problem? I don't even know why you asked it. And the only reason we're saying that is because we ain't got a clue what you just said. You know why? The lights was on, but nobody's home. We're sitting there looking you eyeball to eyeball, and our mind is on the ball game. Our mind is on the coon hunt. Our mind is on what's on tap at, Sh at Shoney's for the buffet. Say amen. And you know what? Sadly, that's exactly what happens when we go to the house of God. Our minds are not kept in tune. 
our minds are not paying attention, and here we go. And I trust me, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the worst one for this. I'm the worst one for this. It's very hard to keep my attention. My mind will scatter. I'm telling you, I, I, I'll be talking to you and, and think, do you see that squirrel? Where did that squirrel go? You know, I, that's my mind. And that's what happens when we come to the house of God. And when we get up and leave, and when we get up and leave, we'll say, boy, we had a good time. What did he preach on? Uh... Now, how are we going to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only if we can't remember what he, what he said? And the reason we can't remember what he said, we were not paying attention. The reason we don't hear our wives when she's standing right in front of us, two feet away, we're not hearing because we're not listening. The word here, here in this particular chapter, I looked it up, and it means to pay close attention. You said you went to counseling. You say you've been going to church, but are you paying attention? Are you looking at it and, 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 and going into church with this attitude? God, speak to me. God, show me something that I need. Show me something that's going to help me. Show me something that is going to change me. Show me something that's going to strengthen me. Lord, what is it that I need? It's amazing to me. that we, I, hear, I hear people say, well, I tell you what, that preacher don't feed me. That's because you don't come hungry. I guarantee you this, I guarantee you this, if you're hungry, you'll eat a frog that just crawled out of a ditch. When you're hungry enough, anything tastes good. Have you ever noticed that, that some things just taste unbelievably great when you're starving to death? And it doesn't matter how good the meal is, it might be your favorite meal on all the earth, but if you're not hungry, it don't taste good. Are y'all with me? So what's the problem? It might not be that he's serving a bad meal. It might, not, it might be that we're not coming hungry and we're not coming paying close attention. I promise you this, God will speak to you if you are here to listen. Amen. There has got to be some listening. It says a wise man will hear. Say it with me. A wise man will hear. hear. There's got to be some listening. Then, then uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 15, 31, the ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. Ecclesiastes 5, 1. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. In other words, he's saying be careful when you go to church. And be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. James 1.19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to swift to and slow to speak, slow to wrath. You know, that solved a lot of problems in the church today. A philosopher said a long time ago, God gave us two ears and one mouth. We need to be doing twice as much listening as we are speaking. I was, I was dating a girl in college one time, and her dad was one of them, you know, he always looked like he had an attitude. And, and he really liked me, but he didn't want me to know he liked me, so he had to bluff on me. Are y'all with me? And I'm always... I like cutting up, you know, and, and having a big time. Or we were sitting at the dinner table, and uh, he was there, you know, eating with me all quiet. And, and, uh, and, and we were talking about something, and I said, man, you don't never talk. Why don't you ever talk? He said, it's better for someone to think you're a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. I said, can you pass the gravy, please? I, I How many of you have, could have solved a lot of problems in your life if you just learned to keep your mouth shut? Yeah. Amen. So listening. When we go to the house of God, when we go to get instruction, when we go 
to, to hear teaching, we need to do some listening. Then B, we've got to do some learning. We have to do some learning. Not only listening, but we've got to do some learning. A wise man will hear and will increase, what's that word? Learning. 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 The word, if you look it up in your Strong's Concordance, the word means to receive. To receive. There's been many times that people have come in here and they heard it, but they didn't receive it. Because they thought that what was being taught or said was for somebody else. I don't have the attitude problem. He must be speaking to my wife. I tell you what, I know who needs to hear what he's saying. Boy, so-and-so, boy, she, I tell you, she should have been here today. Y'all with me? Yeah. There's a man like that in church a long time ago. Every service, every service, he'd leave the church, and, and he was the worst sinner in the whole building. And he'd tell the preacher every service, I tell you what, you sure gave it to him today. And it would just irritate the fire out of the pastor. I mean, he would get so mad. He, he's thinking to himself, man, I'm talking to you, and you think I'm talking to him, but man, what's your problem? One day, there was a bad snowstorm. Snowed horribly. I mean, the worst snowstorm they ever had. One dude showed up for church that day. Guess who it was? The pastor says, I got him. I got him, I'm telling you. It's on today. I got and son, he preached from Genesis to Revelation, everything he knew, wide open bow barrels. He let him know what kind of low down center he was. He said, I bet you I'll fix him today. And he walked out the building and the preacher's back there, he's gonna shake his hand and he walked by the preacher and said, I tell you what, preacher, if they had been here, you'd have gave it to him. Amen. <laughs> That's the same kind of person that goes to somebody else and says, I tell you what, it ain't doing me no good. You know why? Because probably we're not hearing, and even if we are hearing, we're not receiving. There's sometimes I go to church and God tells me something I don't want to hear. Sometimes God shows me things in my life I don't want to see. Y'all with me? But unless we're willing to receive the word, unless we're willing to receive the instruction, unless we're willing to receive the criticism, and cor uh, or let me say corrective criticism from God, unless we're willing to receive from him uh, what he sees, because see, he sees us like nobody else sees us. We all can put on the Sunday morning suit and the Sunday morning smile, and we can make everybody think we're Ken and Barbie when we go to church, but God knows exactly what's in the heart. And if we're ever going to grow, if we're ever going to get the best out of instruction and counsel, we've got to listen and we've got to learn. We've got to learn. But then this is one of the most important ones. C, write this down. We have to live it. There's got to be some listening. There's got to be some learning. And there's got to be some living. You have to apply what you hear. Let me give you a good point. I preached on bitterness Sunday. The cure for bitterness, the cure for bitterness is twofold. The cure for bitterness is twofold. 
First, you have to go to God and get forgiveness for being unforgiving and bitter because bitterness equals unforgiveness, and that's a sin. So before you can forgive somebody else, you've got to go to God and get forgiveness. The second thing is, is you've got to take that forgiveness that you have received from God and you've got to go and share that with somebody else. Now, I told you, I told you, I, I put a little commercial out there that I know that second part's kind of hard to do, so I'm going to preach on that this coming Sunday and help you and, and give you a little help and encouragement on how to forgive when you don't think you can, how to forgive when you don't think it's possible. So that second part, you, you, you got a little reprieve on that. You got a little break till next Sunday on that. But all of us, if we have bitterness, we should have already done the first one. Now, why do, you, why do you come here and you hear a message? You come because you have a need. We come because we have a need. We have a need for God to help us. We have a crazy world that we live in. Amen? I don't know about y'all, but we, cannot, we can't make it in this world without God. And I need God's help. I need God's touch. I need God's anointing. And, and, and I need God to help me. So I, I know if, 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 if God had me to preach on bitterness, there's a ton of people in here that needs it, including me. There's been times in my life I've got bitter over things. Now, how foolish is it of me to come and spend my time and sit and hear a message that God has directed directly to me in my heart, and I have received it, and I know, yep, that's me. I've got bitterness. I need to do something about it. But I do not apply what I have just heard. Guess what you are doing? You are wasting your time. Now watch this. Watch this. In James chapter 1, verse 22, the Bible talks about this. In James 1.22 it says, But be ye doers of the word, say it with me, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Now watch how he describes this. This is, a, this is, a, is an amazing illustration. Watch how he describes this. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, this is what he's like. He's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, in other words, he sees himself, he sees himself in the mirror, and he goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. What does that mean? You go and you stand in front of a mirror. Maybe you have a smudge. Maybe you have a hair out of place. Maybe we don't have no video working. I just noticed that. Uh, Y'all working on that? All right, all right. They'll get with that in just a minute. Amen. Uh, here we are, we're standing in front of a mirror, there's, there's a hair out of place, we look like alfalfa, or maybe we got a smudge on our face, and, uh, and we see, we see an area that needs attention. Maybe our collar's flipped up weird, but there, the mirror tells us and reveals to us there's an area of our life or something that needs attention. You with me? Now what happens if we don't do that, if we don't or get that smudge, or fix our, if we don't do it, then what happens is we walk away from the mirror, and we get caught up with life, and we forget that we're looking like alfalfa. And we go around our life with an area, and an issue, and a problem in our life, when it's already been revealed to us, but we didn't give it attention, we didn't do something about it right there, we were, we were a hearer, and not a doer, and so here we are going through life with these problems in our life, and we forgot that we even have it. Watch what it says. 
But he that looketh into the perfect law of liberty, talking about the word of God, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Watch this, watch this. This man shall be blessed in his, what's that word? He's not blessed, watch this, he's not blessed because he heard the word. He's blessed because he did the word. He's blessed in his deed. He's blessed in his taking action for what he heard. Now, what's the point? What's the point? This is the point. You're not going to get fixed by coming and hearing me talk to you. Your life is not going to change for the better because you're in attendance in this building and you're hearing the word. You're getting part of it. What is going to bring blessing into your life and what is going to bring help into your life and what is going to bring the touch of God into your life and what is going to bring strength and help into your life is when you start doing what you are hearing and you start living what you are learning. Then God pours the blessings. Are you all with me? See, this is really common sense stuff. But isn't it amazing that before, before we talk about anything, Solomon, in his wisdom, is saying, now look, this is how you're going to get the goody out of this study. You have to listen, you have to learn, and you have to live. All right. Isn't the Lord good? Hey, it's all good. Number two. Number two. All right. Now the instruction begins. The first part of this chapter tells you how to get the goody out of it. Now the instruction begins. And this is amazing. This is amazing. As we start in verse number eight, he, he begins to, to, to uh, instruct us and, and, and watch the very first thing the very first thing that he deals with, look in your Bible, look in your Bible, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. He begins his teaching. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privately uh, for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance and we shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us and let us all have one purse. My son, walk not, after the, uh, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. For their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, and they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privately for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. Watch this. Number two, we see a warning of companionship. A warning of association. Be careful who you run with. The very first thing he talks about, the very first instruction that this wise man Solomon gives is be careful the crowd that you're running with. 
Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that the first thing he wanted his son to understand when it comes to instruction and wisdom and being wise and having knowledge is be careful who you're hanging with. Watch what he says. If sinners entice thee, verse number 10, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Three things that he deals with in these few verses right here. First, I want you to see the pressure that they apply. There is no kind of pressure like peer pressure. There is no kind of influence like friends over you. Most of the trouble that I got into in my life, I got into it with somebody else. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? I usually didn't have the courage or, or, or the stupidity to do something that ignorant by myself. It usually was with someone else. And he said, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Entice means to apply pressure. Entice means to pull. You, you, you got to understand, there's going to be people around you that want your attention. They want your, listen, they want everything about you, but they are not your friend. If they pull you away from Christ, they are not your friend. If they don't want to live the lifestyle you want to live, they are not your friend. If they are not helping you become more Christ-like and more godly, they are not your friend. And the first thing he deals with is peer pressure. Peer pressure. It's real. We all face it. You do not grow out of it. You do not grow out of it. It just gets more expensive. We buy things with money we don't have, things that we don't even want to please people we don't even like. So don't just think it's your children or teenagers that has peer pressure. We all have peer pressure. And he says, be careful. Be careful when the peer pressure comes. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. We see the warning of companionship, the pressure they apply. Then B, I want you to see the path that they attend. The path that they attend, verse 15. Here's what's happening. Here's what's happening. A bunch of guys are getting together and say, hey, man, we're going to uh, 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 go rob this guy. We're going to go take him, and we're going to get some spoils. Uh, we're going to get some, some money, and, and, and it's going to be great. It's going to be fun, man. It's going to be an adrenaline rush, and, it's, and it sounds really exciting. I had a preacher say one time, you know, sin is not fun. That's a lie. There wouldn't be so many people wanting to do it if it wasn't fun. There's pleasure in sin for a season. Now watch, there's a path. There is a path. That everybody that is in this way, everybody that is of this notion, that, that go to do wrong and, and, and choose to do wrong. They're on a path. Now, do you, remember, do you remember Psalm 1? Most likely David wrote this psalm. You know what it says? This, now, now watch, in Proverbs, this is the first instruction. This is the first instruction that he has given out. And when it comes to wisdom, he's saying, be careful who you hang with. Don't walk in the same path as him. Now watch what his father David said in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Are y'all with me? Amen. He said the exact same thing. I have, I, I, I have come to this conclusion. If you hang out with wrong people, you will end up doing wrong things. 
I know of a young man who got saved right there. Right there. Was in several skits we done. And just great guy. Young man. Doing great. Hanging around God's people and doing doing uh, uh, just really good. And, and something happened and he had to move away. And he went back to a place where he was with the old crowd again. And there was, there was no godly influence around him. There was no godly uh, uh, mentors that, that was there to, to walk with him and encourage him. And he's right back into a place where he shouldn't be. Now, before y'all jump up and down and say, oh, yeah, well, he must not have got it. Don't, don't, don't be that ignorant. Because every person in this building, including your preacher, is not but just a breath away from acting real stupid. We must be very, very careful who we hang with. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. There is, there is an extreme to everything. There is an extreme to everything. We are not isolationists. We are separatists. I don't believe in going up on top of a mountain and, and building this compound and let's putting this big old fence around us so we can keep the world's influence off of us. I don't believe in that. That's crazy. And the reason that's crazy is God said, you're the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. How are they going to get any light if we hide it? How are they going to get, listen, the touch of God? And they, listen, the only way, now watch this, the only way salt works is if it makes contact. So we cannot isolate ourselves from the world. Preacher, what is the, what is the secret? What do we need to do then? Here's the thing. Your primary fellowship should be with God's people. If you love hanging out with the world more than you love hanging out with God's people, there's a major problem. Your primary fellowship needs to be with God's people. You need, to, you need to do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You need to get together in small group. You need to get together in worship. You need to get together and hold each other accountable and encourage one another and exhort one another as the day approaches because this world is getting darker and darker and darker. And the Bible says because the love of many will wax cold because iniquity abounds. And we need every day to encourage one another. Now, here's the, here's the other part of that deal. Then we need to go out there and take them what we found in here. I hang out with sinners. I hang out with sinners. Jeremy is here today because I was willing to hang out with sinners at a coon club. There are several that's gotten saved because I was willing to hang out with sinners at a coon club. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You need to understand your weaknesses. Half the junk that they were doing, I have no issue with. You can put 15 barrels of whiskey and beer and everything else all around me, and it ain't going to bother me one bit. But not everybody in here can say that. You need to understand your weakness. You need to understand and make sure, make sure that the path you're on is a path of righteousness and that the people on the path with you are going the same direction you're going. Are y'all with me? Now, there's some people, there's some people that, 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 that needs to really back away from, from people in your life 
because you're too weak right now to help them. If you can't even help yourself, you can't help them. Because the, what's going to happen, it's easier to pull somebody off a ladder than it is to pull them up a ladder. And, and there's a lot of people with addiction problems. There's a lot of people with weaknesses, sin weaknesses in their life. Uh, there's people, there's some ladies that need to get away from some men. There are some men that need to get away from some ladies because you're just too weak and you need to get some good accountability in your life and be careful who you're hanging with. Are y'all with me? Amen. Now don't leave here and say, oh, preacher said we got to kick all the sinners to the curb and we can't go. That's not what I'm saying. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? Those that you are that are strong, those that you are strong in the faith and your season, you need to you need to find lost people and become their friends. And you may have to do things that are uncomfortable to you. I remember the first time I went to Coon Club. I, one thing, I didn't know nobody, and I wanted to go coon hunting. I just moved here. I didn't have a dog. I didn't have land. I just wanted to go coon hunting. And it, I, I wished I could say I was spiritual enough that I was on a mission trip, but I wasn't. I wanted to go coon hunting. And I walked in that building, and, and Jeff, as God is my witness, I'd sit there, and I had that coon hound magazine. I didn't know nobody in the building. And I'm shy as can be, scared to death, but I wanted to go coon hunting. And I'd sit there and read that book, and they'd say words that make a sailor blush with shame. I ain't lying. They'd say, and I just, ooh. I mean, I just, I'd get chilled to the bone. And then one day, one of them said, I think that's the preacher. <laughs> Y'all got to know how weird this was. It's Fat Rat. He's one... I, and I heard it out of my peripheral hearing. I don't know if that's, you know. I made that up. That's pretty good, wasn't it, baby? Man. I mean, this guy comes in here, sits down, and reads the book, and then leaves after everybody leaves every time for weeks and has not said anything to anybody. And they finally figured out who I was. I don't know how they figured it out, but they did. Because I ain't said nothing to none of them. And eventually, you know, I didn't preach at them. One of the biggest criticisms Jesus ever had, he, it was the Pharisees said, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. He's hanging out with sinners. And the word receiveth has a threefold meaning. Look it up in your strong concordance. It means to allow, it means to accept, and it means to await. He didn't bang them over the head. He just let them be who they were. But he knew if they hung out with him a little while, things would be different. And things are different now. If you get a little sideways and, and, and say too much off-color stuff, they'll tell you, you better hush. The preacher's right over there. So we're not, we're not isolating ourselves from the world, but we need to be careful who we're hanging with. If you have a tendency to slip up with some things because you're hanging with people to say words you know you ain't supposed to be saying, it might be time to back away. Are y'all with me? Because that kind of influence will get you before you even know it. Just like that. Amen? Now listen, we see three things. We see the pressure they apply. We see the path they attend. But then verse 18, we see the peril they attract. Verse 18. He says, look, son, you need to understand something. They're lying wait for, to, to destroy somebody else, to take somebody else's blood. But they don't even have a clue that they're, they're going to spill their own blood. He says in verse 18, and they lay wait for their own blood, 
they lurk privately for their own lives. Their own lives. Listen, there was a man in the Bible, there was a man in the Bible named Amnon. Amnon. He was a son of David. Matter of fact, he was really the heir to the throne. Amnon had a problem. Amnon was in love with his half-sister. Weird as that is. He, he, he had this issue, he had this lust problem, and, and he had this thing for his half-sister, Absalom's sister. And, and this is the deal. This is what the Bible says. If you go look it up, the Bible says this. He thought it very hard to do anything unto her. I mean, he wasn't, he, he, just, he, he just knew this was, a, this was a impossibility. I'll never be able to be with her. And, and, and so it just drove him sick. And then this, this was the words. This was the words in your Bible. This is what it says. But Amnon had a friend. He by himself thought and knew this was a bad deal, this is a bad situation, this won't never happen. But he had a friend. And the Bible says, I believe his name was Jonadab, but I'm not sure about that. I, I looked it up and I forgot. But he had a friend. And, and it says he was a very subtle man. He was very slick. And this is what happened. He said, well, I'll tell you what you do. Just play like you're sick. And ask your dad to send her and, and let her come make you a meal. Then you just take her. So basically what is happening is Amnon has a friend that's trying to help him rape his sister. Now let me tell you what would have happened if he was a true friend. You better get your act together. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. You need to get your heart right with God. This ain't going to work. Man, we need to pray about this. But the Bible says Amnon had a friend. And all that friend did was help him to his doom. Because he fulfilled the instructions of his friend, so-called, and when he did, he raped his sister and then became angry with his sister and despised his sister. And then Absalom, his half-brother, came and killed him. So what happened? The verse here came to life. He was enticed. He was running with the wrong people. He was listening to the wrong people. He had a friend that led him the wrong way, and it cost him his life. How many of y'all? How many of y'all? Uh, how many of y'all heard or read the story of those teenagers in Ohio that got killed? Was in an SUV. I think there was seven, six or seven. I don't, I don't remember the exact number. Maybe the car slid off the road and and turned upside down in a five foot deep pond. Teenagers. 14, 15, 17 years old. Running with the wrong crowd. One mother was interviewed. I read it on Fox. One mother was interviewed. I told him. I told him. She kept saying, I told him. 
But what happened? He didn't. And it cost him his own life. The most horrific, the most horrific funeral that I've ever attended in my life was in Barnwell, South Carolina. I was pastoring, and a man and his wife was there. He, he had been divorced, and his ex-wife and daughter lived in North Carolina. She was told to stay home. She snuck out of her house, got with her friend, and went and met two young men and was partying. And the two men literally, brutally beat them and stabbed them to death. They brought her body back to Barnwell, South Carolina. And I can't tell you the amount of teenagers that was at this funeral. And they were all around the gravesite. And when the pastor said, we commit her body to the ground, I can't even, I can't, it haunts me today. I can't even tell you the wailing and the weeping and the bitter cry from those teenagers over the senseless death of this young lady, 14 years old, simply because she would not and was running with the wrong crowd. Now, you adults in the building, you everybody's adults. I guess all the kids are in the other building. But that doesn't change just because you turn 40. It always scares me and makes me nervous when I see new Christians start hanging out with people I know are bad news. Please be careful. Why are we here tonight? We're here to get some wisdom. We're here to get some instruction. We're here to find some learning. So the first thing that that God wants you to know tonight in this study of Proverbs. Be careful who you're running with. Be careful who you spend the most time with. Listen, ladies, if, if you hang around women that all they do is run down their husband, find some new friends. Especially if they run down your husband. Men, if you're hanging around with guys that all they do is talk about cheating on their wives and, and doing stuff like that, you need to find some new friends. Amen? Number three. Number three. What was number one? We see the, number one, the, the workings of counsel. Number, number two, we find the, all right, number three, I want you to see the witness of calamity. Let's look at what happens to people that don't listen. After telling, after telling his son to be careful who he hangs with, he, he, he de de depicts a story and, and a, a situation that took place. In several of these chapters, we're going to find a comparison between wisdom and folly. And they're going to be personified as women. You'll hear, you'll hear it say, you know, she crieth aloud and is talking about wisdom. And you'll see that wisdom is trying to get people's attention at the same time folly is. 
Wisdom wants to help you while folly wants to destroy you. And they're personified as women. They, he calls them she, her, whatever. And, it, and it's it, in the, in the uh, illustration of wisdom. Wisdom wants something. Wisdom is reaching out to you. And this is what happens. Verse 20. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the word there means foolishness. Simplicity means foolishness. How long will you love your foolishness, your simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning. Fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof or correction. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called and ye, what? I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. I want you to see three things real quickly. First, I want you to see the cry that's immutable. The cry that will never change. Wisdom is crying out to you today. God is desiring you to be wise. Do you understand that? Do you understand that there is a great awesome God in heaven today that is desiring you to have his wisdom? He is crying out to you, desiring you to enjoy his wisdom, to have the wisdom to make right choices and right decisions. And he wants to give you discernment and discretion on what to do and what not to do. And it is crying out, crying out. We see the cry that is immutable. Three things underneath that I want you to see. First, I want you to see the place. Where is wisdom crying? Wisdom is crying in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, or business, in the openings of the gates. That's where the authority was, in the gates of the city. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, what does that mean? Everywhere that we go, we need wisdom. We need wisdom in our business. We need wisdom in our government. We need wisdom in our schools. We need wisdom in our churches. We need wisdom in our homes. And she's crying out. You need wisdom to know what to buy and what not to buy. You need wisdom on how to vote and how not to vote. Everything in our life needs God's wisdom. She's crying out everywhere. You need wisdom. You need wisdom. You need wisdom. Listen to me. Listen to me. Follow me, she's saying. We see the place of this cry. Then, then, then number two, I want you to see the plea. Not only the place, but look at the plea. Verse, verse 22. How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning. Fools hate knowledge. Watch what she says. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. She is begging, please listen. Please stop going the direction that you're going. Please stop being okay with being foolish and being unwise and making dumb decisions. You know what's a real dumb decision? When you make the same dumb one twice. 
Isn't it amazing that we'll do the same things over and over and over again thinking there's going to be a different result? Have you ever noticed the woman or the man that, that just happens to keep picking bad relationships? And the one she keeps picking usually ends up worse than the last one she just had. You know why? Because we're not depending on God's wisdom. We're trying to do it in our own ability. And wisdom is crying out to you, please. What's it going to take? I mean, just how bad do you have to get hurt before you'll pay attention? You know, huh. y'all, y'all remember what my dad said. Son, if you're going to be stupid, you're going to have to be tough. That's pretty wise, isn't it? I got to ask you a question. What's it going to take? I mean, really, what's it, what's it going to take to get our attention to realize how desperately we need God's direction in our life? The plea is there. But then look what the promise. Number three, look at the promise. We see the place, we see the plea, but look at the promise. Verse number 23. Turn you at my reproof. Watch what, what, watch what wisdom says. I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. I will give you what you need. I will give you the ability that you need. I will give you the direction that you need. I will give you the help that you need. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to worry. You don't have to hope. I've come to find this out. If God said it, it's going to happen. If God's in it, it will work. Amen? Amen. B. We see the cry that's immutable. Then, then verse 22, we find the crowd that's irresponsible. The crowd that's irresponsible. Let me say this while we're at it. It's one thing for the person out on the street that's never been to church, that's never been in a place that teaches truth and righteousness and just breaks the Bible down so we can understand it. I want, I want to be the type of preacher that puts it on the lowest shelf. I want everybody to be able to understand what I'm saying. And that's, it's one thing for somebody out there to make foolish decisions and keep doing stupid things that's never had the availability of having good doctrinal teaching and, and good learning, that type of thing. And, but it's a whole other thing to have people that go to the house of God on a regular basis and still keep making these foolish mistakes. It is totally irresponsible. Totally irresponsible. Watch how Solomon describes, and by the way, I, 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 I've been here. Don't beat yourself up. Just say, let's go. I've made so many things that I'm thinking, how could I be that ignorant? I should know better. Are y'all with me? But watch how Solomon describes this group of people. He uses three different terms, simple, scorner, and fool. Three classes of sinners, the simple ones, the scorners, and the fools. Now, what is the simple? The simple are the naive people who believe anything. 
They believe anything. Chapter 14, let's, let, 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 me, let me turn over real quickly. Here's a good verse. Chapter 14, and, uh, and let's see here. Chapter 14, verse 15. The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his goings. How many of y'all have ever seen that commercial about the, the woman who saw something on the internet and her French model comes up there? Who is he? Oh, that's my French model boyfriend. Where'd you? On the internet. It has to be because it can't, they can't put no lies on the internet. Where'd you hear that? On the internet. When I first saw that, I thought, I have pastored that woman. Don't go out in this world and just believe anything. And just because they got a TV show and, and got reverend in front of their name, that don't mean they're telling the truth. Oh, but they got a big church. So? Get your Bible out. Don't trust nobody. What about you? No, don't trust me. Don't trust me. You ought to have your Bible every time you come. I'm going to see you right here, preacher. I want you to. And I'm not, I'm not being funny. I'm telling you, I want you to. You need to. What if I die? And some turkey comes after me and starts saying lies that's not in the Bible. And you're not used to bringing your Bible and checking. Am I right? And I'm not, trust me, I promise you, I will have no problem with you following in your Bible to make sure I'm according to the Bible. I encourage you to. You need to. Simple people just believe anything. Just believe it because, you know, it sounds spiritual. It sounds, well, so-and-so been in church a long time. Yeah, but so-and-so dumb as a brick. Do you realize that the, the, the amount of time you're in church does not constitute your spiritual maturity? And I'm not trying to be smart. I'm just tired of people getting blindsided and their lives being destroyed for this simple stuff right here. Listen, a simple one will believe anything they're, they're told. They follow anything. And the reason they do this, they, the reason they do this is they won't examine anything. Let me go back to that verse. Let me go back to that verse. Watch, watch this right here. It says, The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man, the prudent man looketh well to his going. He'll check it out. I, I like those people that says, I need a second opinion. How many times have you ever gone to the doctor and wish you had got a second opinion? There have been so many people that's gone through senseless surgeries simply because they just believe what they were told. Simple. The scorner. The scorner. They think they know everything. I've show pastored them. They laugh at the things that are really important. While the simple one has that blank look on his face, the scorner usually wears a sneer. 
Because they, you can't teach anybody something that knows everything. Don't you love, how many of y'all got teenagers in here? Any parents got teenagers in here? Don't you love when you go to tell them something or try to help them with something? I know. Well, apparently you don't. Because you didn't. When you know everything, there's nothing left to know. So you can't get no help. That's who he's dealing with here in this chapter. The scorner. They know everything. Not only the scorner, but the fools. Fools are people who are ignorant of truth because they're stubborn. Their problem isn't a low IQ or poor education. Underline this in your notes. Underline this in your notes. Their problem is a lack of spiritual desire to seek and find God's wisdom. I just don't have time. How many people, how many people who are struggling in their life incredibly, struggling in their marriage, struggling in their finances, struggling in every area of their life, but they did not think it was needful to be here tonight? Now, I'm not saying you love Jesus more than anybody else because you showed up on Wednesday night. What I'm saying is this. There are people with struggles in their life, but they're not willing to do something about it to make it better. Struggling in finances, but yet we won't buy any book to help. We won't listen to any CD to help. We won't get any counsel for it. Our marriage is a mess, but we're not willing to go and ask anybody for it. We're not willing to step out. And a lot of times it's because of pride or being stubborn. That should not be. Say amen. Why don't I need to act like these people? Because of C. The conclusion is inevitable. Watch what this crowd did. Watch what this crowd did. The, the simple, the scorner, and the fool. It says in verse 24, Because I have called, and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. Ye have set it not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. You ignored it, you rejected it, you would not receive it, you refused it. Now watch what's going to happen. Verse 26. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation. Now let me say this. This is not God. This is wisdom. Wisdom. How you treat wisdom will be how wisdom treats you. Now watch. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all of my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own ways and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. How do the simple, the scorner, and the fool respond to wisdom? They refuse to obey her voice. They won't take hold of her outstretched hand. They laughed at her warnings. They mocked her words. The word also in verse 26 shows that that, 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 is, a, that is a situation where there is a response from wisdom that was the same that she received. Because they laughed at wisdom, one day wisdom will also laugh at them. Because they mocked her, she will mock them. 
Wisdom sees a storm of judgment coming that will bring distress and anguish to all who reject God's invitation. When that judgment arrives, sinners will call upon the Lord, but it will be too late. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near, says Isaiah 55, 6. Sinners will reap what they have sown. Therefore, they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. That's verse 31. They turned away their ears from hearing the truth and were uh, complacently comfortable with believing lies. In contrast, verse 33 says that there is judgment promised to unbelievers, but wisdom promises security and peace to those who will listen to her and believe. What's the point? What's the point? The point is this, is there will come a time when you refuse God's wisdom and you refuse uh, good instruction and good teaching and you say, I think I know better, I'm going to do it my way, well, where it will be too late. I, now, now, everybody put your stuff down for just a second and look at me for a minute because I really want you to hear this part. Just real quick look, there's nothing else to write, so I want you to look at me real quickly. There comes a point, there comes a point where there is no return. There comes a point where we will have to reap what we sow. And no matter how bad we want to go back and listen, no matter how bad we want to go back and change and say, how many times... How many times have we done this? Boy, I wish I'd have done what they said. Boy, I wish I'd have listened to my dad when he said, Boy, I tell you what, if I could just go back and hear my mama say that one more. It, and you can't. And you can't. And listen, we're here. Let's get it. When God speaks to us, let's do it. Let's not have regret 10 years from now. Let's not keep creating and causing the same wounds that we're trying to heal up now. I can't change yesterday. But bless God, I can change tomorrow. I can change my future. Lord, I didn't listen good back then, but I promise you this, I'm going to listen good now. I don't know, but I've had enough whoopings that I, I don't want no more whoopings. I, I've heard people, I've heard people say, well, I tell you what, I've, I've, I've spanked my child and it just don't work. Huh. I guarantee if you did it like my daddy did it, it worked. I, I, I don't want it. He didn't have to tell me but one time. And that correction I got, I promise you, it didn't took many. What, what are you, you going to do? Are you going to hear and listen? Are you going to receive it tonight so that it can change your destiny? The choice is completely yours. Wisdom is not going to run you down. It's going to do everything it can to convince you. But ultimately, you've got to make a choice to listen 
to learn and to live. And guess what? We can all do it. And there's blessings that come with walking in wisdom. Amen, church? Let's all stand. Let's all stand. We're going to dismiss. I'm five.